This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing. So I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list. And from there, they contact your members and it's no high pressure sales or anything. And it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Lou Ebert. Lou is a seasoned state chamber executive and CEO with over 40 years leading statewide business organizations in three different states, in Pennsylvania, Kansas, and North Carolina. Over a long and successful career, he's developed a proven ability in business development, revenue generation, capital and political fundraising, communications, and leading transformational change. As a nationally recognized state chamber leader, he's developed a unique set of best practice skills, uh, what works and what doesn't work, and a deep expertise working with top professionals in our industry. But Lou, I'm excited to have you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so you get to know you better. Wonderful. Uh, thanks very much, Brandon. Great to be with you and appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I, I love the title, by the way. I mean, Chamber leaders are champions and they're leaders of an important movement, uh, no matter where they're working. Uh, in my case, as you indicated, over four decades, I've had a uh, a unique opportunity to kind of work in uh, a number of different states, but more importantly, really been very fortunate to get to know a lot of great leaders, a lot of great mentors, and, and even in our profession, learn from some of the best in the business. So uh, part of what I'm now doing in my you know second uh, chapter, if you will, is a kind of a category, you know, kind of collecting uh, intellectual property and sharing best practices and ideas, but it's a uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to help leaders uh, make the kind of impact in their state and regions like I found in my career. So good to be with you. I love it. We're in the, the same business, just maybe in different mediums, right? <laughs> Sharing Absolutely. best practices. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We've lived at the uh, intersection of you know business, politics, and the economy for over four decades. So it's been kind of an exciting uh, journey. And I've uh, obviously seen a lot, done a lot, 
figured out what works and what doesn't work, as you've indicated. And uh, so, someone told me a long time ago, I think it was Mark Twain suggested that uh, the, the definition of a consultant is, you know, we have to learn from other people's mistakes because we won't live long enough to make them all ourselves. That's a great point. I love it. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and tell us a little bit about the, the consulting work that you do just to maybe set the stage a little better. I think you know we shared your bio and everything, but uh, what I didn't share is you've worked with over half the states in the United States as far as their state organizations go. So tell us a little bit more about that and, and the sure. type of work you do. Well, you know, as you indicated at the outset, I've had a chance to work in three different states, you know, red state, blue state, big state, small state. So kind of have a unique perspective. I think it's often said, I'm sure you've had guests on your podcast suggest if you've seen one state chamber, you've seen one state chamber or chamber in general. But I, I think what I've been able to kind of connect is, you know, what, what are the things they all do well? Uh, so regardless of size, regardless of geography, regardless of their economy, regardless of red state, blue state, purple state, whatever the demographic looks like politically, uh, really helping them navigate, you know, kind of a, a path for success and ultimately uh, have an impact. Uh, I, th I think the common thread is that most chamber leaders, including state chambers leaders, kind of see their job as really doing three big things. Uh, they raise awareness to, you know, challenges as well as present problem, you know, solutions to those problems. They raise money to address those. And ultimately, they try and find a way to have impact, whether it's job creation, economic growth, or moving their state forward from a competitive standpoint. And that, that's mostly what I'm working with as I've worked around the country with you know, big states, small states, new states, chamber leaders. Uh, you know, there, there's sort of not a common body of knowledge about how this business works, uh, because I, I think unlike a local chamber, uh, state chambers have to sort of navigate all the different dynamics uh, with governors, with legislative leadership, uh, people of different parties, uh, the, you know, kind of the, the unique regional business communities. Uh, even in the state where I am here in North Carolina, where I finished up my chamber career, you know, you got a wide disparity of regional challenges, you know, uh, rural, urban, in my case, you know, Raleigh, Charlotte. Uh, yeah. So, again, you're sort of bringing together you know, what, what, are the, what are the most impactful ideas uh, that can move a state forward? That's right. And I think that actually sets the table very well for our discussion today as we focus our conversation around the, the impact that state chambers are making across the United States. And we'll dive in deeper on this conversation as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. 
please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Attention all Chamber of Commerce leaders. Are you looking for a powerful tool to help you manage your chamber? Look no further than Chamber Nation. Their comprehensive platform provides all the features you need to streamline membership management, host events, communicate with your members, and provide amazing services to your members. Plus, their expert team is always available to provide personalized support. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your chamber to the next level at a price you will truly appreciate. Visit richardscalendar.com to learn more about Chamber Nation today. Hey everybody, Donna from Yifty here. Today, just like Brandon, we're bringing you a guest speaker. First up is Gina from Durham, North Carolina. We've sold more than 3,300 community cards in Durham that are being spent at 51 different merchants. There's something for everyone. I'm Gina Rozier, Director of Marketing, Communication, and Placekeeping for Downtown Durham Incorporated, and I'm a very happy Yifty customer. We're the Bull City, and we created our spendable community card with Yifty years ago. Our participating businesses love it, and we had our best ever sales figures last year. Yifty is great to work with. They help with marketing the program, and it is truly turnkey for us and our businesses. Choosing Yifty has been a great decision for downtown Durham. Thanks, Gina. Wondering how you can have your own community card for free? Check out Yifty.com for next steps. Now back to the show. All right, Lou, we're back. Um, So... Tell us, I, I like the idea of, you know, taking these best practices as you work with states across the country, you're seeing, you know, some of these differences that you mentioned, you know, you, you need to work with governors, you need to talk, you know, work with people, different political backgrounds, different things, you know, businesses regionally. And yet there seems to be some things that maybe float to the surface that are common amongst all the these state chambers. What are some of those maybe keys for success or, um, things that you're seeing these chambers do effectively to, to share some of these best practices. And then we can go, go the direction of that yeah. impact that they're making. I, I tell you, Brandon, sort of the handbook for my career everywhere I've worked. And, and even when I meet with uh, new leaders across the country, uh, it, it's an old book, but it's still, you know, very timely. Uh, Jim Collins is the author of a book called good to great. And, and it's sort of in my career, it's been sort of a handbook on how to build high performing teams and ultimately have an impact everywhere I've worked and even where I'm consulting with folks. And I'll kind of mention seven quick points and we can come back and talk about any one of these that you want to. But I think the first line of the book talks about good is the enemy of great. And I think, uh, you know, most of us want to work somewhere that's great. Uh, I think uh, it's critical to know your why. So Jim Collins talks a lot about your hedgehog concept. What are you deeply passionate about and something you do better than anyone else? in your community, in your state. I think the third thing is have a clarity of vision. You know, why are we here? Well, what's our main purpose? You know, why do we exist? Uh, the fourth thing, I think uh, everywhere I've worked, you need to have a, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, and in many cases where I've worked, it's how do we become the best state for business? How do we become more competitive? Uh, I think the hedgehog concept, the fifth point, provides not only clarity of vision, but it also turns your flywheel And Jim Collins talks about that in terms of how it generates revenue, Uh, because at the end of the day, you need to attract revenue to hire the talent to accomplish the mission. And that's never changed over my career. 
I think the other thing that chambers sometimes are afraid to do, but I, I think it's really important, the sixth point is the Stockdale principle. Uh, Admiral Stockdale was the highest ranking POW in a, in a Vietnamese uh, POW camp. And, and he, he, would, he became very focused on, you know, kind of recognizing the sober assessment of their current reality. And he saw over his time in incarceration that the uh, POWs that embraced their reality and, see, and, and realized we're going to be here for a while tended to be the ones to make it. The ones who didn't, didn't seem to make it out of the camp. And then the seventh thing I found in my uh, career experience is you need to have the right people on the bus and in the right seats. So it's an old axiom that people are your best asset. And the only thing I would put, kind of put a fine point on that, Brandon, is the, the right people in the right jobs are your best asset. So the, those are probably the things that I've kind of seen that have been kind of a kind of a North Star for my career, you know, leading and running and working in state chambers, both as a CEO and also uh, working with uh, leaders in our profession. So I think some of these chambers get, you know, trying to figure out their why, having that clear vision um, as you, and I think these two points are, are kind of related to the good being the enemy of great and having mm -hmm. that big, hairy, audacious goal, right? So you can have these goals and as you work towards them, sometimes you let good get in the way of great along that sure. way. Do you mind touching on either one of those points or, or maybe a combined, just maybe some things that you've seen throughout your career that would point to those as examples? Yeah, I, I think probably the best example, when I look at what some of the best state chambers in America are doing right now, uh, the way they embrace both of those concepts, you know, good is the enemy of great and, and driving and leading change is they've sort of evolved from, you know, not just advocacy organizations, but they're really becoming seen as agents of change. And there's at least a dozen state chambers in the country that have pretty impressive blueprints or visions for the future of their state over the next 10 to 15 years. And many have positioned themselves as the state's futurist. So they've really sort of elevated their importance in a state. And when you think about it, you know, governors come and go in, in most states you can think of, but the constant is the state chamber and the business community. So what many states have done to sort of move from good to great is say, not only do we want to focus on how to be great, but we have a plan to make our state great. And uh, I, I think that's where the profession has evolved. So it's no longer about just, you know, working at the legislature to, you know, defeat bad legislation, which is still important and beat up on the trial lawyers and the unions. But it's really about how do you bring solutions to move your state forward and make a big impact on the most pressing issues in many states kind of holding them back. And, and that's where I think states, chambers at least, have embraced not only their new role, but actually put a methodology in place uh, to drive and lead and keep track and grow and keep change front top of mind and, and also hold politicians accountable. So I think in a lot of states, it's no longer, you know, what the state legislature wants to get done for business. In many cases, the state chamber is sort of setting the tone for the kind of change that has to happen to make their state great and more competitive. Right. So as we look at change, like you said, having these goals, trying to make your state great, your community great for those you know, local chambers listening. Um, you had mentioned the Stockdale principle. <laughs> so there's got to be a fine line somewhere of yeah. you know, realizing and accepting your the sober assessment of your current reality, as you put it, or as Jim Collins puts it, uh, versus uh, having a, a healthy dissatisfaction for your current reality yeah. and wanting to improve it. 
Uh, can, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. You know, Brandon, in my experience, the most powerful tool is data. And there is just dozens, if not hundreds of data points and studies that kind of, you know, surface some of the challenges. And, uh, you know, everywhere I've worked, I've, you know, I've used member polling data to surface these challenges. I've used state-to-state competitiveness data to surface these challenges. So it's never been my opinion of what needs to be addressed, but it's like, here's what business thinks needs to happen. Here's what state competitiveness metrics show. So if we're in a state, we're in the sort of the bottom third of every major ranking known to mankind, you know, we're not going to make our state great by not talking about that. So there has to be a way, I think you're making a great point, you know, we don't want to be sort of the, the chamber of bad news. Right. <laughs> but, but, but we do have to, you know, going back to what chamber leaders do, uh, they create awareness. And in some cases, the awareness is, you know, we have some things we got to work on. But, but right beside it is they're also bringing solutions. So they're not just sort of throwing a flag saying we're bad, but he, here's how we can get better and, and then bring the resources to the table to help make that happen and ultimately have impact because you're absolutely right. I mean, just drawing attention to, hey, we're, we're 38th in this ranking, whatever that is, you know, that, that's a data point, but what are we going to do about it? And I think that's where chamber leaders are now kind of leaning into uh, we have to get better if, if we have a BHAG to be a great place for business or the best state for business or go from good to great. You know, you can't you, you can't get from good to great by only getting better at what you're good at. Right. <laughs> you have to eventually get better at what you need to work on. And I think state chambers have a role in sort of surfacing both. You know, yeah. here's what we're good at, but here's some things we have to work on. Yeah, I, I like that approach because I, I can see some some chambers, maybe in certain circumstances where they say, yeah, our, our governor just is not business friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure. I'm going to, you know, there's nothing we can do about that until the next election and almost use that as an excuse of your their current, mm-hmm. the sober assessment of their current circumstance. Yeah. But I like the idea of still having those goals, still trying to press forward, still mm-hmm. trying to to make that case. So even when that next election does come around for the the next governor or whatever that elected position may be, um, to be able to say, here's some things that are important to the the business community in our state. And and I think, Brandon, you're making a great point. I I think uh, business wants to see these things. Politicians want to see these things. But what can we be for? And I think uh, chambers have a responsibility to be for things, not just against things and being forward thinking and proactive and future focused. You know, there, there's a lot of things chambers are for, but there's also things along the way that we have to be against because they kind of move the state in the wrong direction. But I think at the end of the day, mo- mo- most business leaders and CEOs want to see an organization stepping forward and indicating what we're for. Yeah, I like that. It keeps a positive approach on it for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So as you look at these states uh, that you've worked with, we're, we're talking today about the, the big the impact that you're seeing state chambers make in their communities. And I, I mentioned before we started the recording, I recently had Glenn Hammer on the podcast from Texas. So he talked about some of the things that they're doing in Texas. But um, maybe as you, as you talk about the impact these state chambers are having, uh, maybe through a lens, how a local chamber can get more involved with their state chamber as well and supporting that work. That's a great point, Brandon. And again, over my career, when I first started doing this, my first job out of college, 
uh, you know, four decades ago, which seems like forever, you know, local chambers and state chambers were really seen as competing for membership, competing for mind share, and had a very similar role. I think in most states in America now, it, it's pretty clear that they're both different organizations, but they, they complement each other. So in, in, in many states, uh, state chambers of commerce have, you know, put together kind of a chamber federation where they have local chambers sort of working hand in hand with the state chamber on the most pressing issues affecting the economy. Because I think at the end of the day, if, if I was running a local chamber anywhere in America, I'd want to be working with the statewide chamber because the, the kind of issues work, that are happening at state capitals affects my members in my community. But there, there's no local chamber anywhere in America that has enough political clout and even enough votes to move the needle on anything at the Capitol. So being part of a statewide federation, if you will, of local chambers rolled up under a state chamber banner working on the big issues, because when, when you affect change in any state and improve your competitive position, you know, that, that helps every community in the state. But I, I think where local chambers have become more aware, I think, is you know, lobbying, advocacy, political action, getting big things done at the Capitol is kind of what state chambers do. And local chambers play an important role in plenty of things they do locally, uh, moving their community forward. And even, you know, as, as the world has evolved, uh, they're, they're picking up a lot more uh, community-based groups. That they're being, you know, leading kind of non-government groups and, and being forced to do more than they used to be able to do. So I think recognizing that there's a statewide advocacy organization they can be part of and on that team uh, is a complement rather than a competition. Right. Uh, so throughout your career, throughout maybe the history of state chambers, local chambers, I mean, it's a long history looking back, but do you feel like there's been a shift in maybe the, the mission and purpose? You had mentioned before they were kind of seen as being competition to, to local chambers. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, many of them have the same last name, but I think the roles we play are different. And I think that's just evolved, you know, given the nature of how things are happening. And, and what I like about how the evolution has happened is partially it's happened, Brandon, because what, where the action is now, it's no longer in Washington, D.C. So when I first started doing this 40 years ago, D.C. was sort of the epicenter of all things that affected business. And now I think what you're finding is with the level of acrimony and somewhat dysfunction, you know, the action is now in the states. And I think some, some of the states that, that you will have on this program have sort of figured out how they can crack the code at their state capital and, and, and really improve their business climate in such a way where they can become a lot more attractive uh, for job creations and economic activity. So that, that's probably where local chambers and state chambers have figured out, hey, wait a minute, if we work together, we create economic opportunity for our state. And at the end of the day, that's what all of our members fill in the blank state want to have happen. We want to have a big impact for our state, create jobs and more economic opportunity. So, and in many ways too, Brandon, the, the major members they all have in common are really kind of uh, very intent on making sure that focus happens. So I think the customer is also driving the need to work together uh, to make the kind of big impact at the state level that's needed. Right. So maybe a, this may be a, a step back a little bit in our discussion, but going back to one of those points that Jim Collins made. So the hedgehog concept and the revenue um, for maybe a, a local chamber who maybe, you know, I'm sure they see their state chamber as a good ally. 
but maybe they still do see that certain level of competition because they take some of the same big members from their community. Can you talk a little bit to how some of these state chambers go about their, their budget, their financing to maybe clear some, some muddy water with the local sure. chambers that might be confused on it? Yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, a, a typical local chamber, you know, probably 80% of their members have less than 10 employees. And for a state chamber, it's just the opposite. So I think the big trend over time, uh, state chambers in most states only have about 1% to 2% of all the companies in a state are members of a state chamber. Uh, but I think what's happened over time, Brandon, is you know, across the board, most state chambers have seen a decline in the number of members and a pretty significant increase in the revenue per member. And I think that just recognizes how they've grown their business model. And, and, and also, uh, you know, the mission they have in terms of their hedgehog concept, you know, not a lot of businesses, 99% in some cases, don't really embrace the mission and vision of why a state chamber is needed. So it, it's kind of been necessary to say, okay, we, we need more believers in the cause of advancing economic growth in our state. And a lot of states have been very, very you know, successful in attracting, you know, cornerstone investors from major companies. Uh, as I suggested earlier, they, they've eliminated the competition of, in many cases, uh, attracting you know small businesses, and they've effect effectively said the local chambers, you know any anybody under ten employees, for example, is automatically a member of the state chamber. So they've created a grassroots network uh, to affect change, but they've also sort of gotten out of the business of saying we're not going to hire a bunch of salespeople to come into your town to recruit small business members. But because at the end of the day, we're still back to. What, what state chambers do well is making impact on the big issues that affect business in their state. And uh, it's just not cost effective to use a lot of those resources to go find money. Right. It, it, it's more effective to, to aggregate the resources to make a big impact on the big issues that affect businesses in the state. And that's where most state chambers are spending their time and resources. Yeah. And I know every chamber, you know, if you've seen one chamber, you've seen one chamber, but a lot of chambers have very similar missions and, and mm -hmm. purposes behind the work they do. And, and it sure. should align very well with their state chamber. So Absolutely. I, I, I hope that those local chambers may see a conflict of interest with the state chamber. I hope that's fewer and fewer today yeah. than what it was in the past and building a stronger relationship because oftentimes it's the state chambers that are putting on a state or a regional conference, you know, to share some of those best practices and help support the local chambers. So. Absolutely. And again, I think you picked the right issues. I think a lot of state chambers and local chambers have a lot in common when you start talking about how we can make our state more competitive and attractive to business, how we can address workforce and education and talent issues, how we can invest more in infrastructure. You know, th those are at least three issues where I would guess most local chambers in America, most state chambers in America would say that that's kind of a sweet spot. Uh, no disagreement here. Let's figure out how to do it. But I, I think most state chambers would say quickly, we can't do it by ourselves. And most local chambers would probably also admit we can't do it from our community, but collectively we can make the kind of impact that's needed. That's right. That's a, a great way of summarizing that. Uh, so Lou, I like asking everybody I have on the show about, um, maybe a, for a tip or an action item for listeners who want to take their chamber, uh, most being you know local or maybe regional chambers, but want to take them up to the next level. What what tip or action item might you suggest for them? 
you know, I, I, I would suggest if they haven't read Good to Great, you know, go get the book. It, it's not a new book, but uh, I think it's sort of a handbook on how they can develop their organization and, you know, accelerate and create more opportunity and have more impact. And then the other thing I would suggest, and I, I know many of them do, I'd invest in knowledge acquisition and benchmarking. So I'd really, as I've done over my career, you know, what are the best organizations in America look like and how can I learn from them? So it's, you know, get your CCE, you know, certified chamber executive credential, you know, become a CAE if you want to, certified association executive. Many of them go to institute and get your IOM certification. Uh, some participate in ASAE or ACCE. Those are all great organizations to really put uh, leaders of any level. And I found even late in my career, uh, there's always great new ideas, great new learnings, uh, and the profession keeps evolving. So I think have a great sense of awareness. Uh, it's important to know what you don't know as well as to know what you know. And I think the people that are sort of open to understand like, hey, I just don't know how to do this, but let me go figure out how to do that. And who can I learn from? I think it's a great skill to continue to evolve. Yeah, I like those tips. I always like when we get a bonus tip like that too, you know, not just yeah. one. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so the other question I like asking everyone I have on the show is as we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? I, I think we're just sort of hitting stride uh, in terms of the importance and the role they play. And I think a lot of it is not just, you know, our politics in DC, but I think politics in general. You know, we live in a, lot, a more divided time than probably ever before in our history. And I think the common denominator chambers of all varieties bring to the table is they're kind of the common sense middle. Uh, they represent a business community. They represent leaders that want to figure out and kind of come up with solutions. You know, they're not partisan. Usually they're not uh, philosophical. They're sort of the pragmatic common sense middle. And I think that role, you know, you know, probably 20 years ago was probably not as important as it is today, but there has to be a way and a place where business, politics, and the economy can kind of intersect. And right now, more than ever, it's, it's, it's at a chamber of commerce. Right. No, I like that. Um, and I, I would agree with that, too, is that the future of chamber, we are hitting that stride right now as far as importance Absolutely. and relevance and, and keep leaning into it. But Lou, I'd like to, to ask if there's, uh, for those listeners who want to maybe reach out and connect with you, learn more about the work you're involved with, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, my email is uh, ebertlew, L-E-W, at gmail.com. Or you can call me on my cell phone. Um, if I'm awake, it's on uh, 919-614-2810. All right. And we will get that in our show notes for this episode as well. So anybody can look those up and, and get that, that contact information. Great. Lou, I really appreciate you spending time with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. You bring a, a great perspective from the experience you've had working with a number, a, a wide number of, cham of uh, state, state chambers across this uh, great country. So thank you for sharing that, that insight, some of these uh, lessons that you've learned, and I think we're all better for it. So thank you. Wonderful. All my best, all your viewers. Thank you. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry.
Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.